Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. This week, we're listening to a series we haven't had here on the podcast in over five years. I've brought us an episode of Macabre entitled Final Resting Place. The Armed Forces Radio and Television Service in Germany and the Far East Network in Tokyo engaged in a friendly contest to see who could come up with the best pitch for a new radio show. Both submitted audition tapes, and the FEN's creation won. And so between 1961 and 1962, producer, director, writer-star William Verdeer and program director and performer John F. Bowie Jr. created several episodes, of which eight survive. William Verdier had previously worked on noteworthy series Inner Sanctum, Suspense, and Ellery Queen. We're not sure in what capacity he contributed to these shows, although we did find a couple pictures of him from the 1940s performing as a Foley artist. In preparing for this podcast episode, we discovered a few more delightful details that cropped up only recently. When we headed over to the page for the Macabre episode, The Man in the Mirror, at oldtimeradiodownloads.com, we found the following comment, quote, I am the actress in the Macabre series. I acted in three or four episodes before we were rotated from Johnson Air Base to the USA in 1961. I am now 90 years of age and happy to see that these episodes have been preserved. I had tapes of the series that I unfortunately discarded during a house move. I had, prior to Macabre, dubbed English into Japanese movies. I drove from the airbase to Tokyo to perform the dubbing. Since the studio cost was much less in the wee hours of the morning, the dubbing was performed usually around 1 a.m. Their purpose was for export. After that, I then began recording the Macabre series. It was a long time ago in a faraway place. Mitzi Hennessy. We often find recordings of classic radio episodes at archive.org, and last October, the following comment was added to the Macabre page. I was only 11 when Dad, Verdier, started writing these mystery stories that he appropriately called Macabre. We lived in Tokyo, Japan in the early 60s, and Dad was the director of Far East Network from 61 to 64. He was asked to write these shows for FEN, and he narrated and starred in all of his 10 stories. He, of course, played the lead in each one. He also did the sound effects. I know the sound isn't coming across well presently, but back then it did. I was brought into the studio to scream a few times. I screamed well or say a line or two. Dad would write the stories at home and would air weekly on the radio at night around 9 p.m. Our radio would be set at top volume, playing the macabre theme, narration, and story. Mom and I would be so frightened listening to it so loudly as Dad liked the volume as loud as possible. Dad insisted we turn off the lights, too. My friends at school and even my teachers, who were nuns, would comment the next day about how scary Dad made them feel as they listened to his show. Radio shows were very popular in Tokyo then, and we'd also listen to shows like I Love Lucy and the like. As William Verdier's only daughter, I'd like to say that I'm so proud of him and am pleased that the people are still listening to his mystery radio series. Yes, he only wrote 10 shows for Far East Network. Thank you all for your reviews of my dad and his work. If you have any questions for me, I'd be glad to answer them here. Christine Verdier Thompson. 
So let's pay another visit to this unusual series that is so fondly remembered by those who were there when it was produced. From Macabre, this is Final Resting Place, first broadcast November 13th, 1961. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker. Listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Man lives in a world of time and space. He lives in a spectrum of the universe. When he ventures beyond this limit, he is in the unknown. A realm where strange forces are brought into play. When man attempts to misuse these forces, he is sometimes destroyed. This is Macabre. The Far East Network presents... In special performance, Macabre. Tonight's story, Final Resting Place. the road. Honey, I think we're lost. It has to be right, Sue. Justice of the Peace back at Carterville said the lake was on the main highway. We haven't made any turns. But darling, it's getting dark. This road doesn't look well-traveled. I really think we made a wrong turn somewhere. Mrs. Kent, your husband solemnly promises to deliver his bride of a few hours safely and surely to Honeymoon Lodge on Mirror Lake. Now, let's hear no more about it. Come on, move closer. Head on my shoulder. That's it. (laughs) Roger, you better watch the road. Why? We haven't passed another car for an hour. Relax, Sue. It's a fine way to start a married life of bliss. Look, there's a sign. Can you make it out? Yeah. Randolph, five miles. Uh, are we supposed to go this way? Sure. What I tell you, it's only 50 miles farther. Randolph is our halfway point. But it's country road. How can they call a lonely trail like this a highway? <laughs> You're just a sophisticated cityite. Now close your eyes and listen to the radio. We'll be there before you know it. Mm-hmm. All right, darling. I guess I'm getting jumpy. Head on my shoulder and not another word. Okay? (laughs) Okay. We interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. Authorities of the state asylum have just issued the following warning. A dangerous homicidal maniac escaped custody this morning and is believed to be in the vicinity of Randolph. Roger. He's 45 years of age, weighs 200 pounds, has thick gray hair, and answers to the name of Dr. Vardmore. We repeat... This man is a dangerous killer. Those in the vicinity of Randolph are urged to take extra precaution tonight. Since this killer is armed, the public is warned against walking alone or driving at night on the quiet roads near Randolph. Report all suspicious persons to the county sheriff's office. Now we return you to Stars of Music. (gasps) Roger, did you hear that? Sure, but how does it concern us? Darling, we are driving down a country road near Randolph. Suppose we should have car trouble or a flat tire. Oh, you are getting jumpy. Let's stop in Randolph for the night. But, Sue, our reservations at Mirror Lake are for tonight. Please, Roger. 
I have the strangest feeling. If we don't stop it, Randolph, we'll never reach Mirror Lake. Dear Sue. What, darling? Stopping here for the night. Now we can see the carnival. It's all right while these people are here, I, I guess. But we'd better go back to the hotel before they leave. Are you still afraid? Well, kinda. Aren't you? Ah, come on. I'll show you a good time. You'll forget all about it. Okay. What's that man doing over there? And now, ladies and gentlemen, if you will kindly step closer, I don't know. Let's I will out. demonstrate to you one of the great marvels of all time. As you see at my feet is a hole, an excavation six feet in depth, a grave, if you will. And beside me here is a casket. Now, friends, what do you think we are going to do? Now, friends, ladies and gentlemen, have no fear. Tonight, I, Professor Vincent, will select someone, one of you from the audience, to be hypnotized and placed in this casket. Then, I will bury him alive for five days. If he's not buried that long, he ain't gonna wind up much alive. <laughs> Just a moment, please. Five days at $100 a day. Now, what do you say? Who wants to make $500? There is absolutely no danger. A shaft will be sunk so that we can see your head. You'll get plenty of light and air. Food will be lowered to you. Nothing to it at all. Who'll be the first volunteer? You got as popular as Undertaker, pal. Come, come now, ladies and gentlemen. Under hypnosis, believe me, five days will seem like an hour. The easiest $500 you've ever made. Who will volunteer? How about you, my bumpkin comedian friend? No, sir, Ray. Last year I took sick with pneumonia. But sure I end up in one of them boxes. Did you recover? It's hard to tell from looking at you. <laughs> you, sir. What is your name? Roger. He's pointing at you. I uh, don't think I'd be interested. Uh, who are you, sir? Roger Kent. Roger Kent. Does $500 interest you? Well, sure, but... Uh, Good. Uh... Good. You'll make a fine subject. Now, wait a minute. And, Roger, who is the young lady with you? My wife, Sue. Oh? And what do you say, Mrs. Kent? Well, I... I think it's just a dreadful idea. No. You better pick someone else, Professor. Nonsense. Do you need the money? We do need it. But not this way, Roger. It's awful. 500 bucks would pay off the car. We still have 10 days left for our honeymoon, Sue. Well, how about it, friends? Don't let him tempt you. I don't like that man. It is a lot of money for only five days. We can't wait all night. What do you say? I, uh, I, I don't know. Say no, Roger. Speak up. Yes or no. I hate to turn it down. You're not going to be buried in that terrible coffin. Tell him no. Go ahead, pal. We got a first class cemetery. <laughs> All right. All right, everyone. Roger and Sue, time's up. Tell you what I'll do. Think it over. If you decide to go through with it, come back after a couple of hours when the carnival is closed for the night. I'll be waiting for you in my trailer. Oh, Roger, he wants you. I'm afraid of that man. Don't forget, I'll wait up for you. Until you decide one way or the other, Roger Kent will hold the grave open for you.
Roger. I'm afraid. Listen, Sue, my mind's made up. But suppose... Face up to it. We need the money. That's the easiest 500 bucks I ever heard of. Darling, I know that. Then what's the matter? Well, in the first place, we shouldn't be out here in the dark with that madman loose. In the second place... Professor Professor Vincent Vincent seems too interested in me. Oh, Roger, you read my mind. I'm just trying to protect you, honey. That man, I I don't know that... Something wrong. Admit it, Sue. You don't like the Buried Alive Act, isn't that it? Yes, yes, I guess so. It's horrible. I thought so. Uh-oh, this must be his trailer. Professor Vincent. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Roger. Yeah? If he answers, there'll be no turning back. It'll be too late. I know. No turning back. Professor Vincent? Come in, Roger and Sue. Come in. Did you really think would come? I was certain. You see, there is no other way. When I count three, Roger, you will be asleep. Sound asleep on your feet. Then, Roger, you will be placed in the coffin and lower it into the grave for your five-day rest. Now look deeply into my eyes. Deeply. Inhale. And look deeply into my eyes. You're going to sleep, Roger. To sleep. You can no longer move your arms. They hang helpless at your side. Sleep, Roger. Close your eyes and sleep. One, two, your eyes are closed. And now you are powerless to open them. You are free. Asleep. Ladies and gentlemen, we are ready to place Roger Kent in the casket. Whom among you in the audience will help me? I will, Professor. All right, my friend. Step right up here now. Here, help me raise the lid of this coffin. Now, uh, give me his feet and we'll put him in. Careful, careful. He's a big man. There, there. He's in. Guy, heavy as a rock. Just like a dead man. <clears throat> yes, now, now, close the lid. Close it. Now we're ready to lower into the grave. You see, the casket is supported over the open hole by two chains. If you'll flip that switch the same time I flip this one, Mr. Kent will be gently deposited in his grave. This one? Yes. There it goes. Glory be. Just like a real funeral. Reminds me of the time we buried my grandpappy. Ladies and gentlemen, in just a few moments, the coffin will lie at the bottom of the grave. We will then place an air shaft down to Mr. Kent's head so that he will be able to breathe. And all of you will be able to see him at 25 cents apiece. I don't know. I just don't know. Thank you, friend. You've done your work now. Will you kindly leave? Thank you. You are witnessing the marvel of the age. A human being being buried alive. The casket has stopped. Will another volunteer from the audience help me position the air shaft? How about me? Fine. Step up here, friend, if you please. You picked the right one this time, Governor. So? I used to work in a funeral parlor. Handle the stiff. Uh, yes, now. Now, just pick up that end of the metal shaft, please. Easy does it now. Down. Over the round opening on the casket lid. 
Careful now. There. Thank you very much, my friend. Neat, very neat. Okay, Governor. What next? Uh, the shovel. The hole must be covered up. Oh, sure. And that is it, ladies and gentlemen. You have just seen demonstrated the marvel of the age. A man buried alive. Kent will lie there in a deep slumber. The end of which time we'll dig him up and pay him $500. In the meantime, my friends, you may step up here and view him down the shaft for a small sum of 25 cents, one quarter, the one-fourth part of a dollar. Ladies and gentlemen, who will be first among you? No, sir. What's that you say? Dishonest, I say. What's the matter with you? Charging money to see him buried alive. What? I ought to know. I helped you lift him in. Leave the carnival, sir. Leave here immediately. That man ain't buried alive. He's dead. Hello? Hello, Mrs. Kent. This is Professor Vincent. I got your message. First chance I've had to call you. Oh, Professor, I'm so glad you did. Uh, what's on your mind? How is Roger? I keep telling you he's all right. Now you must stop this nonsense. Well, it's been three days since he was buried, and he just lies there so still. Oh, if I could only talk to him. Mrs. Kent. I called down to him, but he never moves or opens his eyes. And after all this time, I know something is wrong. Roger wouldn't let me worry like this. He'd at least look up and smile, if he could. How many times must I repeat he is hypnotized? We interrupt this program for a special news bulletin. Oh, just a moment, Professor. The radio... Sheriff's office has just confirmed the whereabouts of the homicidal maniac who escaped from the state asylum three days ago. This dangerous killer who calls himself Dr. Vardmore is now known to be in the immediate vicinity of Randolph. Everyone is cautioned against walking alone on the streets after dark. If you plan to attend the carnival, kindly do so with friends and leave the carnival in the company of others. Report all suspicious persons. We return you now to your regular program. Did, did you hear that on the radio? Uh, yes, yes, I did. Oh, Professor, I'm terribly afraid. I don't want Roger alone down there with this, this madman, Lou. Please, Professor, dig Roger up tonight. Mrs. Kent, we made a bargain, a business proposition. Kindly stay in your hotel room and rest. This is the third day. The day after tomorrow, it will be all over for Roger and for you. Pardon me, ma'am. Are you Mrs. Kent? Why, yes. Who are you? I'm the one who helped put your husband in the casket. Well, why are you talking to me? I don't know. Just to warn you, I guess. I think your husband's dead. Oh, you horrible, horrible little man. Get away from me. I'll call the police. Thank you, Mrs. Kent. Oh, Professor Vincent, I'm so glad to see you. That terrible little man. Yes, I heard what he said. Now get hold of yourself and listen to me carefully. This is the fifth night. I want you to go to the hotel and wait until the carnival is over. Tonight is the last showing at Randolph. At 11.30, you take a taxi out here to the lot. I'll meet you. Roger will be ready along with the $500. All right, Professor. Anything you say. Oh, thank God it's about to end. Yes, my dear. It's all about to end. Are you going out, Miss Kent? Yes, clerk. And here's the key to my room. Thank you. 
I don't think it's wise, though. I mean, you're going out alone. It's after 11 and mighty dark tonight. The police haven't caught the killer yet? No. Funny thing, too. Looks like he'll have to leave a fresh trail. You know, kill somebody so they'll have more to go on. Now, why don't you take someone with you? Oh, I'll be all right. I'm meeting Professor Vincent at the carnival lot. This is the night they released my husband. I see. Do you know the professor? Oh, yes, I do. Well, he's the one who hypnotized Mr. Kent. No. Professor Vincent didn't. What? Professor got sick five days ago. Got sick? Well, then, who was Professor Vincent at the carnival? I don't know. Somebody who took his place, I guess. Here you are, driver. Thank you. Professor Vincent, it's so dark. Where are you? I'm sure the carnival was on this vacant lot, but now there's nothing. Just a few old papers blowing in the wind. Why did I let that cab leave? Light in sight. Those trees around the lot. What if, if the killer were hiding there? Oh, the place Roger was buried. It was in this direction. This way. Maybe I can find it. The grand will be thought. Where is that? It might be through the hole. Must be right around here. Oh, 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 where is it? Oh, what? What's this? Um, uh, It's watching me from those trees. I saw it move. I could get out of here. I'll be back, Roger. There's no night filling station five blocks away. Maybe I can make it there. Oh, oh, oh. it moved again. There is someone out there. Roger, Roger, is, is that you? No, it's coming after me. It's, it's too big for Roger. I, I don't know what it is. It's gaining, it's gaining on me. Mrs. Kent, calm yourself, please. Who, who are you? Don't you know? I'm Professor Vincent. I was waiting for you. Now, come with me to my trailer. No, you're not Professor Vincent. So, you guessed. Who are you? There's nothing to be alarmed about. You're in safe hands at last. I am Victor. Dr. Victor Vardmore. Hmm. I've been asleep, I guess. Hmm. Legs feel cramped. Mind's foggy. Can't remember what happened. <sighs> Sue, where are you? Dark. Pitch black. It must be night. Quiet. Not a sound. I could only remember. Think back. <laughs> Smells damp, like fresh earth. Where am I? Got a 
Get up, stretch, Muller. Get... <laughs> no rooms. Wait a minute. There was this carnival. Professor Vincent. Oh, it's beginning to come back now. I was hypnotized and put in a casket. Buried for five days, yeah. Yeah, it's clear now. <laughs> Time's up, yeah. They're going to dig me up now. Boy, the deep hypnotic spell that old boy put me in. Glad it's over. Okay, Professor, you can bring me up now. <laughs> hmm. I guess he stepped away from the shaft. Shaft? Where's the shaft? It's supposed to be over my, over my head here so I can see up. Can't see a thing. Cloth line, coffin lid, where shaft should be. What's going on here? I'd, I'd like to get out, Professor. Possible they went away and left me buried alive. Oh, no. And I... Professor! Sue! Help! I'm buried alive! Good Lord. you to listen very, very carefully. Sue, there. Go ahead, Sue. Tell him. Oh, Roger, are you all right? Yes. What's he doing with you? Please do as he says, darling. He's not the real professor. He's that escaped madman from the asylum, Dr. Vardmore. He's crazy, Sue. Please, darling, we have no choice. Please, please. Listen to me. One move like that and I will kill you both. I have gone to a lot of trouble to set up my final demonstration. What are you going to do? I am going to try personality transference. We have the required situation. A man buried alive in mortal fear of death. And the woman he loves, who will do anything to save him. If we do, as you say, what then? I will release the two of you. And if we don't... You have just enough oxygen for just a few more minutes. I see. Hurry, Dr. Vardmore, get it over with. Now, Roger. I want you to think about Sue. Sue, you about Roger. Each imagine he is the other. Roger, you are standing beside me in the trailer. Sue, you are lying down there in the casket. No! Cooperate and I will free you. 
It's your only way out of that grave. You mean I'll be in soon? Yes, and she in yours. Do it, darling. It's our only chance. It's not soon. That's enough. One more refusal, and I'll turn off the shortwave transmitter and leave you in your dark world forever. Now, Roger. Imagine you are Sue, standing here. Sue, you concentrate on being Roger in the casket. Think. Put everything else out of your minds. I have it. Repeat something you both know. Say the 23rd Psalm. Here we go now. Start with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table. just heard Macabre, a special Far East Network presentation. In our cast were John Buey as Professor Vincent, Mitzi Hennessy as Sue, William Verdier as Roger, Milton Radmilovich, Air Force Sergeant Bob Eddy, and Air Force Sergeant Newell Stewart. Technical supervision by Hiroshi Odo. This is Air Force Sergeant Al LePage speaking. Macabre was written and directed by William Verdier. Macabre comes to you each week at this time through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. That was Final Resting Place from Macabre here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that uh, was brought to us by Tim this mm-hmm. week. As you mentioned, we've done one of these before uh, five years ago. Yes. Uh, so this is only our second of the eight that survived yes. that are out there. So uh uh been a long time coming back to this. What was the one we did before? The Man in the me. Mirror. I don't remember. That was five uh, years ago. What happened yesterday? Tell me what happened yesterday. <laughs> it was about a guy who was in a car crash that tore his face off. Spoiler warning. Um, <laughs> who was uh, on the brink of death when a voice came into his head and offered him a week of extra life. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eric doesn't remember it at no. all. Still. 
guy was just a total fake. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Faceless guy. We, uh, that guy. We spoke a lot then about the pronunciation of macabre, and so far we've been very straight-faced about it. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> tough word. There are two ways that I know to pronounce this. One is how E.G. Marshall says it in uh, CBS Radio Mystery Theater, because he, at the beginning of every show, says macabre. Mm-hmm. Okay, so macabre. But then I listen to this, and they were very clear that it is macabre, like macabre de cadabra. And if you are choosing the pronunciation based on whether or not you're going to use it in a sentence or whether you're going to use it as a title of a show, mm-hmm. it, that affects it. And for the title of the show, I think you want that extra syllable, right? <laughs> like, because if you get, welcome to macabre. Right. <laughs> Which is awesome. Doesn't sound sounds, right. <laughs> sounds like a, a goofy deputy sitcom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Deputy Macabre. <laughs> Macabre! <laughs> All right. So here's another word that drives me. Uh, I've been told that it's uh, homage, uh, but not homage. Homage comes out a homage. lot. The radio series, Homage. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> homage sounds like Middle Eastern food. Oh, some kind. <laughs> right now, that is the preferred, and it's making me crazy. Homage. I'm paying homage. Anyway, I watch too much sports talk uh, things. Anyway, uh, on the way over here, I carefully thought about how to say what I'm going to say. And I came up with, I know what this is. I know it's the Armed Forces Network. I know... Limited budget, limited experience, not professional actors, yada, yada. It's unfair to judge certain things because of that. Especially after Tim humanized all these people in the intro. And then Tim humanized that these people are still alive and they might be listening to this going, uh, oh, you know, thanks for paying tribute. So if you go to a high school player musical, you don't say, well, compared to Broadway, this is terrible. No, you say these are amateurs. These are students. And you may come away going, for a high school play, that was really good. Or even uh, you might say, hey, there was a kid in that show that uh, has potential to be a really good actor. Or even occasionally, wow, there was a kid in a high school production that gave a professional level performance, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't watch high school football and say, well, you know, the Patriots would kick the crap out of you. You know, of course they would. So that is how I came to terms with what I was going to say. And that is, I can't put this into the category of, of comparing it to other things. It has its moments of brilliant writing. It has its moments of good acting. It also has very amateurish moments. But it's forgiven because... This was a miracle they pulled this off. The The fact that they did this with, hey, Bill, get in here and read some things. <laughs> Staff sergeant, get in here and read this. When you have it in that context, you go, wow, that was really good for that. That being said, if you take it as just a piece of audio theater... I just want to be really, especially after you wrote that opening, Tim, and humanized (laughs) it, I'm going to be very, very careful to say, I'm not saying it sucked. I'm just saying it is what it is. It's also not lost to me that I've carried over these these heart-wring quotes before this grisly, horrible episode. (laughs) Yes. Right. Like, oh, those lovely people. Oh, oh, the story just keeps going on. Oh, oh, that's, oh. (laughs) So, yes, we are um, 
angry at you for humanizing these people, but it was the right thing to do because it does put this in its proper context, as Eric said. So I, I don't need to elaborate on that anymore, that obviously this is a historical context episode. Correct. Right? This mm-hmm. is historically yeah. fascinating because the circumstances of its creation. Yes. Um, and its execution might be lacking in places. But what it does have and what it immediately reminded me of is the best of or the worst of, depending on your point of view, dark fantasy, in that it has that unrestrained imagination. <laughs> unrestrained by things like logic or structure or right, right. common sense. you know. Uh, but that means it is never boring. From moment to moment, you're like, what? Where are they going with this? What? So I personally would rather hear this than a really humdrum, by-the-numbers, tropey, boring episode of a technically better production. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. I I, I disagree with that, but I totally understand that. I respect that. I would rather have a a well-thought-out, humdrum, tropey, followable. (laughs) Like you said, there's leaps of logic. follow this. There's some leaps of logic, and we're going to get to a thing. Let's just do it right now. Tear off the nice guy Band-Aid. It's not a nice guy Band-Aid. It's this. I listened to the last three minutes a thousand times. What the hell happened? I do not understand the ending. What transposed into what? Who became- This has something in common with the other Macabre episode uh, that we talked about, which was at the end, there are some serious consequences that, this, that it does not get delved into. In the previous one, it was that the wife, like, you're going to be under arrest and in jail for the murder of this guy. That doesn't make any sense now because we didn't just listen to that episode. <laughs> but in this one, like, yay, uh, as I'm interpreting it, they did a little three-card uh, Monty with uh, personalities and shuffled the psychopath into the coffin. Okay, is that what happened? Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. Which I is, couldn't understand what happened. Like, they did it and they were out. So here's another take on it. Because I couldn't tell their voices apart, the two men at that point, and I couldn't understand. Really? Yeah, I couldn't figure out what was going on. And then I had this thought. Is the wife in on it? Is it the <laughs> doctor and the wife laughing at the end? At, ha, 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 we got you, sucker. You married me. And I said all this. Like, I couldn't figure out the ending so to this. I'm going to kind of marry your two observations in that, like Tim, I think it was really clear what happened in the really short amount of time it was given. It was clear that they trapped the professor in the coffin okay, and walked out together laughing at him. And, and, but to your point, that raises so many questions. It's like, <laughs> that's the story I now want to hear, not the 25 <laughs> minutes I heard beforehand. Because exactly, it's like, who is in on it? By personality swap, are you walking away in the body right. of the professor? <laughs> um, did you guys have some sort of mental powers you were hiding this whole time? How did I, you I, know how to do that? Yeah. And why is it this guy escaped from the loony bin? Why is this his plan? Like, that's a crazy plan. That's Scott Bishopy writing. So what I took away from it was that this is a young writer, amateur writer, if you want to say it. We don't know what his experience was. So maybe instead of amateur, young, who had had very little experience, who knew scary stories have a surprise twist on the end. That's right. And just like went with, and, and I will give it to him, a really shocking, out of the blue, surprising ending. It's just a, a better script would have laid the groundwork. To yeah. your point, Eric, of like, what was he doing in 
an asylum? Was it, you know, you can fill in and go because he had these crazy ideas about um, telepathy and mind powers and people thought he was crazy and they institutionalized him. But he's he's supposed to be a killer too, Yeah, right? So I think there could have been a way to lay the groundwork for this and still been surprised. The problem is the surprise is the fact that the couple were able to turn the table on him and trap him in the coffin. But what you, shouldn't have been a surprise is that he was going to do a personality <laughs> test. Like we should have had the groundwork laid that for he did that. that he had been studying that in the asylum and that that they had some exposure to it. Yes. I will say from my own experience, that moment of like personality exchange, by that point the bride had shaken me so hard, I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to go back and forth. There's compliments and there's what the hell, this is illogical and made me crazy. The waking up in the coffin, figuring out he can't stand up, that the slow realization that he is trapped and then banging, brilliant. I thought really well written, really well performed, made me uncomfortable and made me have to get up and walk around my room because I was like, I'm not trapped because that's, horrifying right so kudos great scene great moment it's just i was saying in the beginning there are these moments that are really well done but then that goes off the rails like i gotta say about that moment in particular earlier on when they get the moment of the guy saying like i work for a funeral home that guy's dead mm-hmm. and there's no real argument about it it's just like he's dead that moment of the episode made a real dark turn of these guys are paying a quarter each to look at a dead guy. Yeah. And a week from now, maybe his wife finds out like he's been dead for a week. Mm-hmm. And then the twist of like, he really could hypnotize him. He really did hypnotize him. That's crazy. He's another guy who can hypnotize someone to a suspended animation for a week. And then this is this was exactly my experience of we go through that scene of like he figures it out and I'm looking at the clock on my uh, my phone of like how much longer am I going to be stuck with this guy in this coffin? Right. It was like six minutes. Like I'm going to have to listen to this guy die for six minutes while his <laughs> wife's been abducted? And the wife, the performance-wise, there's two performance things that stood out to me that were really odd. Again, I get it. You're not professional actors or whatever. The guy at the beginning, who's the main guy, who gets, I forget his name, I'm, gets better and better as the episode goes around. Because in the beginning in the car, he sounds like an announcer for Chesterfield Cigarettes. <laughs> Again, it sounds like a guy who was trying so hard to sound like a radio yes. actor that he came off as a pastiche. Yeah, yeah. And then, but as it went on, it got more and more natural. Mm-hmm. The other one is the woman hysterically hysterically <laughs> screaming and then composed with yeah she a goes millisecond. from yeah i love to freak out to hysterical her freakouts were well, epic the one moment where she just goes from talking calmly to screaming and she runs to the professor but the footsteps are really fast and like are half a second long like she ran as fast as she could three steps to the professor. <laughs> it was a little confusing yeah like the guy that comes up to him tim and says who is that guy? He's dead, by the way. Who is that guy? Where did that character come from? Why is he not important later? Why is that introduced to us at all? He was introduced earlier. He was one of the volunteers that yeah, put him into the... But co- why is that plot point given to us? Well, I think it was meant to be a red herring. Ah. The problem is it was such a good red herring that I felt that was a really interesting dark story to follow. You got to be careful with red herrings that way if they are better than... 
the real herring you're being <laughs> served. It's like, ooh, bring back the red herring. Right. This is normal this herring the, is gross. Stick with space golf. It was good <laughs> there. At the very top, when I'm listening and like couple driving down the road, newlywed, on their way to Mirror Lake for their honeymoon cabin. Yeah, very tropey. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the radio comes on, is yeah. a craze killer. And in my head, I'm like, okay, there's like three or four ways this can end. Yeah. And wow, wow. was I wrong. Right. <laughs> wow, I have no idea it was coming. That's exactly where the carnival, I went with it. Carnival was not foreseen. The, all of it was. Well, not just the carnival. I was completely hooked in when the Barker's like, I need a volunteer who will let me bury them for five days. And I'm like, you don't understand how to work the crowd, buddy. That's a commitment. There's so many fun logic things in there. If, okay, you're going to pay this guy 500 bucks, $100 a day, charge in a quarter. Oh, you, you need did 400 people a day to look at this guy. To, to make your even. 500 bucks? Yeah. Yes. We are all producers. That's in my notes. Like, I did the math on that ticket price. I'm like, that is the wrong ticket price. Right, right. I'm going to pay you $60 to be dead for five days. <laughs> and, and another thing that doesn't follow that isn't explained for us is he's singling out, what is his name, Robert? I don't know what his it's name is. Roger. Roger. Yeah. He's singling him out, and she's even saying he's singling you out, and he's he really wants you. There's nothing. Uh, yes, there is. I'm going to defend yeah, that one. Good. Here we go. Um, Why, Roger? Because he implies in that last second twist when he realized there's a personality test that he seems to imply uh, that it's like, oh, I needed you. There's the connection. The connection, this uh, young married, just married couple that he saw them in the crowd and zeroed in and thought that he could use them together for this or experiment. he saw him. How about this? If we're going to swap, I want to look like that guy. <laughs> That's the guy I want to look like. I roger that. <laughs> this is... <laughs> Another little delightful moment for me, his wife, like, no, you can't have a bad feeling about this. I could really use the money. (laughs) (laughs) He's really... He's like, that'd pay for the car. And that's the other thing is she is begging, don't do it. And he's like, I think I'm gonna. I'm like, wow. I can't imagine looking at my wife begging, begging me and going, I'm sorry, but I'm gonna go bury myself. We still have 10 days of honeymoon left. (laughs) Right. And there's where we have the logic problem oh, in that for this thing to work, he did not have to bury him for five days. There's nothing in the plot. And again, it's that, it's that <laughs> right. idea of like, I want to do everything as extreme as possible. And that's part of what makes it entertaining, but also what makes it illogical. All he needs to do is get these two people alone. alone. He could knock them out. And swap personalities. Yeah, or bury them. I mean, he might need to be in some sort of heightened emotional state. I get that, but he probably didn't need... Five days to do it. He didn't and need the carnival. He didn't need any of that. <laughs> yeah. None of the, none of it was necessary. He didn't need to kill the other guy and take his place, or however he replaced the other doctor. Yeah. None of that was necessary to the ending, which is all about Freaky Friday. <laughs> <laughs> and what's interesting is how just evil the couple became. Like, That's the really ugly like, thing. Like, <laughs> <just> laughing, <laughs> you're gonna die now in my body. Presumably. <laughs> Presumably. Or if he now meant- let's go off and have a rest of our honeymoon while I'm being hunted for <laughs> by 
the madhouse. <laughs> Police manhunt. Boy, it, it was no sense. It, really it was doesn't. so tropey at the beginning, though. There's an escape loony. <laughs> Just put your head on my shoulder. Right. <laughs> that is outside your car. <laughs> yes. And don't get out of your car. Like, it was just so tropey. Oh, and the the actual, like, uh, known to be wandering, quiet country roads. <laughs> yes. Yes. Are we on quiet country road right now? <laughs> <laughs> just roll up your window. We'll be fine. There was additions to this that didn't need to be there. And this is what I agree with. That if the madman captures them and does a personality switch... The carnival, the burying, there's so much that is unnecessary to what Joshua alluded to is a very compelling idea and story. We're going to trap him yeah, in. Yeah, and there is some connection between us that is so strong yeah. that we can overpower him. It's so close is what yeah. we're getting at. Yeah. There's some really good concepts in here. I want to call out uh, one more ridiculous thing and then an awesome thing. A uh, ridiculous thing was in like the midweek when uh, she wants the doctor to call him, call her, and... She's at a party or something? There's fun jazz music playing in the background. <laughs> well, I assumed it was like maybe the hotel bar. <laughs> or a party. <laughs> just, just well, I've like, got five days. <laughs> i got five days without you. <laughs> I mean, I'm worried, but... <laughs> <laughs> like, why wouldn't she be at the site? All right, so anecdote... I have a very good friend that in his early days of radio, 30 years ago or whatever, when he was young at a small radio station in South Dakota, volunteered to be part of a promotional stunt in which he would be buried alive and broadcast live from his box. So they had a tube going down six feet. He was just in like a box. He, just like this. They had a tube going down. They'd throw down sandwiches and Mountain Dew or whatever he wanted. <laughs> he had enough room. He had to drink the Mountain Dew so that he could urinate in the bottle and then put it down by his feet because they couldn't get stuff out. So garbage and stuff would just be shoved down to his feet. And he had a little flashlight, and he had a microphone, and they would check in with him all day. Like DJs would just come on and go, let's check in with so-and-so. And he was in there for a week in this. His wife never left his side. She was by the tube day and night. And then in the middle of the night, people would come and visit and read poems to him and but he did that for a week. How big was the casket? Uh, he could not turn over. He laid perfectly still and had this tube and had things drop to him. He's, and uh, it's a podcast in itself. When you sit with him at the bar, it's a two-hour story of so everything that happened. Was this perhaps a standard thing at yes. one time as a uh, yes. publicity stunt? Correct. That's what I'm getting at is that... People being buried alive with a tube and seeing how long they could last was a concept that goes back and and, and is a publicity stunt. So that might be my uh, cultural illiteracy, uh, but that seemed ridiculous to me. It is ridiculous because it has nothing to do with the ending. Yeah. It's not necessary. It is a lot of money because I did do that with the inflation calculator. 500 bucks? Yeah, it's uh, just a little under five grand. My friend did it because they told him to. For free Mountain Dew. <laughs> For free Mountain Dew. How do you pee into a Mountain Dew bottle it, on your back? Again, you, I'll take you, you out miss. sometime with him. Uh, you will never. <laughs> you were going to say, I'll take you out sometime. We'll, <laughs> I'll bury you. I'll bury you alive. We'll lay on our backs and pee in some Mountain Dew bottles. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, when he got out, it was 
three to four hours before he could, his, stand? He could stand. Yeah, that's Something, dangerous. Like astronaut stuff. Like he was. I mean, he had I was going to react like, ah, oh, South Dakota. Oh, I grew up there. <laughs> <laughs> That's my people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had started with the ridiculous thing, but the party, but then the awesome sound thing was the transition from the microphone in the coffin fading into the scene in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Again, as I said at the top, are we heading into vote? Because I can yeah. say it. Great work, considering everything that is to be considered in the production of this. I think it's really good. The same could be argued about Scott Bishop, who was doing this in Kansas, and he also had limited access and budget, and I don't cut him any slack. So I'm going to hear from our listeners, oh, sure, you're cutting these guys slack, but you don't cut Dark Fantasy any slack. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm on the same page. as This was so much fun, and the two things that are to my core of what I love it like this is unpredictable that's more than two things um, unpredictable enjoyable fun and also really horrific really dark mm-hmm. and the the way it is different than the dark fantasy is the dark fantasy does set you up of like here is what you can expect here's what the story is and then when it changes it's upsetting like mm-hmm. I wanted the thing you said it was going to be uh, and this started with a somewhat tropey start but by the time that it gets to halfway through it's just gone to crazy town and i love stories in crazy town (laughs) yeah you also slow down when there's an accident on the road (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, crazy town (laughs) yeah i mean it's historically fascinating that it is even it's miraculous that this guy who's clearly so enthusiastic about Mm -hmm. making horror radio drama Mm -hmm. um that he Got to do it. Yeah. Got to live out his dream. And yes, it has its weaknesses, uh, but uh, you have to admire its pluck. That being said, uh, we are a podcast that really wants to examine um, all aspects of old time radio, like both the, you know, does it stand the test of time, the script, the performances, the history. I totally get, and I don't think you're a cruel person. If that's, you're not looking at the whole package, you just want to be entertained for 30 minutes, I can see why you'd be like, I'm never listening to this again. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't want to over-defend it either, or be, as Eric said, too soft, and we've been harder on others. Um, it clearly does not stand the test of time for many reasons that we already talked about, but yay, that mm-hmm. they got to do it. Part of the reason I want to include those quotes from his daughter and from uh, the actress was... To make us feel bad. To make you feel bad. <laughs> uh, but also that I think it really conveys that this was a labor of love and it was super mm-hmm. fun with people involved. And even if it's like, we're not going to become revered radio artists for this, but we had a really good time doing it. All right, Tim, tell them stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. You'll find over five years worth of episodes there. More if this is in the future. <laughs> <laughs> You can also, you can leave comments, you can send us messages, um, <laughs> you can let me know. I hate the internet, I can't make heads or tails of how to say this stuff, unless it's 50 years from now, and yeah. then we'll have like 55 years worth of show. <laughs> Uh, you can also link to our social media pages, to our Threadless store to buy swag, or to our Patreon page. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe in there the might future? be. A, in the future, there might not be any Patreon or swag. Oh, there better be Patreon uh, or swag. 
or there will be no podcast without <laughs> patreon.com slash the morals that's a great segue yes if you would like this podcast to continue give us money i mean i'm just gonna cut to the chase <laughs> give us money um but otherwise we're going to bury one of us alive (laughs) for five days i listen if someone wants us to bury ourselves alive five days we'll do it for 500 bucks no (laughs) it's five thousand in today's currency i'm terrible at this (laughs) So and in bad. the future, it's going to be worth so much more. So much exactly. more. But for $500, I will pee in a Mountain Dew bottle. <laughs> <laughs> no questions asked. <laughs> I have a lot of questions. <laughs> so just go to patreon.com slash the morals and give us money. If you'd like to see us performing audio theater live, we do uh, stage shows of uh, audio theater that we do uh, recreations of old-time radio classics and a lot of our own original radio drama. So if you'd like to see us, you can find out where we're performing by going to ghoulishdelights.com, buy a ticket, come see us. Or if you can't make it, you can see us virtually anywhere in the world. You can buy a virtual ticket and watch the live stream version of that. Ghoulishdelights.com or Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society com is where that information lies. All right, what's coming up next? Next, we have a listener request. We will be listening to The House of Mystery Case from Richard Diamond, Private Detective. Until then... <laughs> <laughs>